Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur with your host, Steve Kidd, third-generation minister and 30-year business coach. Listen in as amazing, world-changing authors, speakers, and coaches share their struggles and victories and hear from best-selling authors' insight into how you, too, can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. Thanks for being with me here today as we talk about people. I know, sometimes that can be a good word, sometimes not so good of a word, but today we're going to dive into the whole concept of people and talk about how we can be the best person we can be, how we can lead people, how we can inspire people, and just in general about people. I look forward to spending this time with you. Thanks for you being here. You know that you make the difference. You are why I do this. I've often said doing this radio show is like my guilty pleasure. Um, I would do it, and I do do it, just because I love sharing with you. I love spending the time together. I always think of uh, Mr. Rogers from when I was a kid, and, um, you know, always wanting to live in a neighborhood with you, to be with people just like you. I'm so grateful to be here with you. Speaking of being with people just like you, what are the people that are in your life and what are they like? You know, it's been said that we are the most like the five people we spend the most time with. And that really is true. Sometimes when you find yourself being not exactly who and what you want to be, it's a interesting, um, sometimes frightening journey to go on of self-discovery to look around at the people that you're spending your time with the people that you're willingly investing the powerful you that is you investing that grace and peace and dignity that is you in who do you spend time with what do you talk about when you're with them what do they do for you and in your life are they positive encouragements do they lift you up do they make you feel like you can do it, or do they drag you down? Do they leave you in a place where you too find yourself worrying, or not believing, or even seeing reasons why it can't be done? Who are the people you surround yourself with? What kind of person do you want to be? What kind of people do you want to lead? And as a leader, what kind of a person do you want to be as you lead them? And even as we're talking about people, who inspires you? Who are the amazing, inspiring people that are in your life or that you've read about or that you've heard about that inspire you? I was so blessed way back. I was in third grade, actually, at the time that I uh, stayed with Dr. Donald Joy and his wife, Robbie. Um, and Dr. Joy is, you know, much older. He's, you know, he was a seminary professor at the time when my dad had gone back to seminary. Um, and he and his wife became my godparents. And they have been and always were majorly important impacts in my life. And Dr. Joy is such an amazing individual. Dr. Donald M. Joy, if you want to look up any of his books, they're all totally worth it. Um, and he was just the kind of guy that you could send um, a brief email to. And he would not just send back, a, let me think about that or whatever. He would send back a detailed, in-depth, really well thought out, uh, sometimes even researched reply back to the email. And it always up-leveled me. And I was so blessed the different times that I saw him, uh, you know, even when he was in the area that I was that I lived in, you know, if he had time, he would go out to lunch with me and we could just spend time together. And it's people like that that inspire you. And of course, you know, I love reading C.S. Lewis and, and some of the inspiring lives of people in the Bible and, and uh, you know, athletes and, and amazing, strong leaders and people like that. So it's also important that we look at the fearless leaders. Um, sometimes as women, you can find yourself saying, hey, I don't 
really see the strong females and yet throughout all of history there are such wonderful fearless female leaders and our first author is actually going to talk about that and her book that she wrote about it um, so there are people that can inspire you that can show you what they did and help you be even maybe a little bit more like them there are ways that you can learn how to lead more powerfully the people that are placed in your charge and be the leader that you want to be. There are things that can help you, uh, you know, not make the mistakes with people, to know what to do, how to do, what to say, where to say it, when to say it, maybe even, with the people that are put in your charge, whether it be the little people, you know, your, your uh, children, um, or the grown people, which, you know, might even be your spouse, um, or whomever it is that's in your life. There are people whose lives you're meant to impact and change just by simply being you. And so today we're going to focus in on people. We're going to talk about how you can be the best person you can be and how you can inspire the world as you live as a thriving entrepreneur. So with that said, no further ado, let's jump into it. Join me in welcoming Maria Quatrone. Hey Maria, how are you doing today? Steve, I am fabulous. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about you and how you show up in the world. How do I show up in the world? Well, I am a entrepreneur. I've been, I would consider myself a, I guess, an entrepreneur since a child, but uh, currently I run a real estate organization. Uh, my company is Remax at Home, Maria Quattrone and Associates um, in Philadelphia. And we also have a mortgage company and I have a podcast and I'm in the middle of writing a book. Uh, so there is quite a few things happening. Oh, well, good. I'm glad you're not doing anything. I mean, <laughs> oh, keeping yourself busy. So um, you're a realtor and you said you're writing a book. Uh, tell us a little bit about the book. What, what, what are you writing the book about? So, yes. The book is called uh, Fearless Female Leaders, Their Untold Stories Revealed. And it's all about being fearless, feeling the fear, and doing it anyway. Mm. And this, yeah, yeah. Say more about and this, that. Yeah, and the stories that come from that, like what we had to walk through in order to come out on the other side. And, you know, no matter how much fear there was, uh, the continuing of getting up every day and still showing up and doing the work and uh, being vulnerable and having humility. So what, in your opinion, is the difference between being a fearless leader and being vulnerable? What's the difference? I think it's all, I think it's all tied together. I think that, you know, in, in order to be vulnerable, you have to put yourself out there. And the fearless part comes with continuing to do it and like, we could hold ourselves back because we're afraid, but feeling it and doing it anyway at a high level. Now you have a really successful real estate company um, and a whole team of people and stuff. Uh, what are some of the secrets that you have um, to be able to have the level of success you've had with you know, some of the obstacles you've had to overcome? Getting up every day and showing up and doing the work and knowing that if we can just get a little bit better each and every day over time, because there's nothing that's going to dramatically change unless you change your habits and add new habits in um, and still showing up every single day. I think it's, huge part of it because if you commit and recommit daily eventually you'll win 
So we have two choices. We can feel the fear and do the work, or we cannot. And if we don't, we give up. And there's really not much in between. either. So you're either going to go through temporary pain um, by doing the work, uh, or you're going to go through pain by not doing it and not being able to grow uh, and get to the goals that you want to get to. Either way, it's up to you. You get to decide which one you would like to do. So, so for me, and we talk about this in my organizational time, we might as well just feel the pain do the work anyway, because the other side of it is pain. The pain of regret, the pain of failure, the pain of no money for some, in some cases. So since we're going to be here, we might as well just do the first rather than the later. Yeah, absolutely. So with so many people that choose not to, uh, you know, get up every morning and do the work, what is it that you find that motivates you to take that step out of bed every morning? I think that that is something that you choose to do. And I choose to do it because I want to be better every day. I believe that I've been put on this planet to um, help others and to give back. And the mission is to help others grow and be successful and teach them the things that I have been taught and pour into those that want to be poured into those things so they can grow and they can help others grow and we can leave a positive um, impact on the world even even if it's just our little world over here what would you say you found you know because you've worked with people that have really succeeded in real estate um, and in other parts of business and you've also had people who just didn't um, what would you say is the is the thing that people struggle with that keeps them from succeeding in their own life? Themselves. People getting out of their own way, trusting the process, um, showing up continually, just no matter how hard or how difficult it may seem at the moment, knowing that tomorrow it'll get easier. And one of the the things that we train in our first two weeks in our organization is the understanding and the value of the compound effect. So if you get one, if you just focus on getting 1% better every day, that's it. Tiny, tiny bit. In 365 days, you will have become 37% better. So focusing on the daily activities and just feeling it the feeling the fear and doing the work anyway and every day that you get up and you do it it becomes a little less daunting until it doesn't feel daunting anymore and so what we what I find is that if people keep the commitments to themselves they build confidence and when we can help others build confidence they want to do it more and when they want to do it more, they will take more action. And they take more action, they'll get more results and get more results and get more results. And it's kind of, you know, like a big snowball or a little snowball turns into a big snowball. And like anything else, the bigger the snowball gets, the harder it is to push and the easier it is to roll down the hill. <laughs> no doubt. Ain't that the truth. So if you were to give a person a piece of advice, um, you know, you only had a minute or two to share with them the one thing you've learned in all of your success, what is the one thing that you really know to be true in life? Whether you think you can or think you can, either way, you are right. It all comes down to belief, belief in self, and then making the right choices around that your belief 
So if you believe that you will succeed, come no matter what it takes, you will find a way. But if you don't believe it and you can't see it and visualize it, it's not going to come true for you. And so building that confidence, you know, and, and, and a big part of that is because people don't trust themselves. They don't trust themselves because they don't keep commitments to themselves. You know, it's, it's like simple things. I'm not going to eat the cheeseburger or I'm not going to eat the bowl of ice cream or, you know, I'm going to get up and go to the gym or I'm going to go for a walk. And every single time that we don't keep the commitment, whatever it is that we made for ourselves, we're chipping a little bit away of our integrity. And when that happens, we doubt ourselves. And when we doubt ourselves, we don't believe in ourselves. So my advice is um, to find those wins, to keep the commitment to yourself, no matter how small it is and starting out small, like a simple thing. Make the bed in the morning. Making your bed is a win. You made your bed, something positive happened, it's a win. You know, there's so many little wins that if you have a lot of little wins, then they start to snowball and turn into bigger wins. And so it's just getting up and doing the work regardless of how you feel. Um, and make a commitment to yourself and keeping your commitment to yourself no matter what. What kind of uh, people do you like to work with? What kind of, I mean, I know these days you're working with not just the the realtors, but also the people that your book's going to reach and all that. What kind of person would be just the ideal person for you to work for, work with? Somebody that is accountable. Somebody that says, you know what, I did mess up and here's what I learned from it. And here's what I would do differently today. And somebody that can say, here's some something personally and I'm extremely proud of that I accomplished in my life. And they are um, open. They're ready to receive the gifts. And they have a positive mental attitude and they have they live on a high uh, high energy and a high vibration. And those are the people that we want to have um, attracted into our organization and our and and my life. I love that. So, if somebody wanted to work with you, how could they get in contact with you? They can call us two one five six zero seven three five three five. They can find me on Instagram, sold by MQ. Uh, our website is mqrealestate.com. I'm also on Facebook. It's my name, Maria Quattrone, and they can direct message me. Either of those, you can, re- you can reach us anyway. Well, Maria, I really appreciate you spending some time with us here on the show today. Awesome, Steve. Thank you so much for the opportunity to talk with you today and your guests. So inspiring. What are the things that you got from that? What did you learn about people, about the person you want to be, about Maybe you even found somebody else to inspire you to be the person that you were always meant to be. What a great way to be able to live life. Isn't that what it means to thrive? And when we can find somebody that inspires us and then be the best version of ourselves while it's called today, isn't that the heart and soul and core of being a thriving entrepreneur? We're going to take our first commercial break, and then we'll be right back here on Thriving Entrepreneur. Don't go away. If you're an author who's on a mission, stand out with your brand out. (laughs) Check this out, guys. Yep, everything's marketing, and marketing is everything. Your existing book can become a best-selling book, or even, hey, like mine, a number one international best-selling book in five days. Listen, if your business isn't known by everybody, it's obscurity and that's death, right? The same thing is true for your book. If you're not happy with the way your book is performing, you got that far and then it just fell off the face of the planet kind of feeling, go to yourbestsellertoday.com, schedule a talk with 
Steve. It's risk-free. It's guaranteed. It's proven. We've done it thousands of times. What are you waiting for? Yes, yourbestsellertoday.com. This time next week, you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve. Reach the people that you came to serve. Come on now. What are you waiting for? Grab a pen. Here we go. All you got to do is book a call, yourbestsellertoday.com. Go to yourbestsellertoday.com. Book a talk with Steve. It's proven. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen. All you have to do is say yes to your destiny. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today as we talk about people. We talk about what kind of person do you want to be? How do you lead people? What do you do with people? How do you deal with the negative and uninspiring people? We're just kind of going to jump into all of those different aspects of people. You know, as a leader, it can be really difficult sometimes. There can be some, well, we'll just call them very challenging people in our lives, and yet as we learn how to be able to survive the challenging people, the people who maybe we're not meant to serve, but they're still in our life, that give us the challenges that make life both sweet and very sour all at the same time sometimes. How do we deal with those people? How do we still be an effective leader as we look at the most difficult of circumstances and the most uh, tumultuous type of people that you can deal with. How do we do that and still live as a thriving entrepreneur? How do we take the things from our past, the hurts, the pains, the poverty, the, the brokenness, and move forward to being an inspirational, inspiring, wonderful, awesome, amazing leader ourselves? to inspire the people in our lives to do better, know better, and be better just simply by us being the best version of ourselves and living as a thriving entrepreneur. That's what we're going to look at here in this next segment with our next guest, another amazing author that I've got here for you to be able to help talk to you about how you can deal with the people in your life. With that said, let's jump right into it. Join me in welcoming Wesley Donahue. Hey, Wesley, how are you doing today? I am awesome. Good. I'm so glad to hear it. Tell us a little bit about you and how you show up in the world. <laughs> how I showed up in the world. Um, well, I, yeah, I, I guess we're here to talk about my book. And I, and I start the book talking about, um, you know, I'm showed up in the world in a not great place, to be honest with you, man. I'm, I'm, a welfare kid brought home in a single wide trailer with holes in the floor and, um, you know, came from straight poverty to now being an entrepreneur with uh, multiple businesses, running political campaigns across the country and uh, helping corporations when they step in a giant pile of it uh, with brand reputation, crisis communications problems. Um, you know, besides that, uh, I think I'm probably most proud of the fact I got three little boys, three, five, and eight, and been married 17 years. And your book is called Under Fire, is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Under Fire, 13 Rules for Surviving Cancel Culture and Other Crises. Oh boy, we could just go off about cancel culture for the next hour or two, but we'll try to skip over the deeply political stuff and, yeah. and get into the meat of it. Um, first, tell us just a little bit of an overview about what your book is about. Yeah, you know, you say skip over the political part, but it's, it's really hard because in today's culture, unfortunately, everything's political. Everything from, heck, I sent my kids back to school this week and, you know, to uh, how people are running businesses and, you know, politics is creeping into every single part of our life and specifically uh, really creeping into uh, corporations. But, you know, cancel culture really started at the top with celebrities and corporations and politicians and athletes. But now we see it creeping down even to like the small business owner or the teacher or the police officer. So I wrote a book um, basically telling the story of how we saved SeaWorld when they went through their cancel crisis, uh, cancel culture moment, they were uh, canceled. And, you know, the 13 steps we took to save them and then how people can use those same lessons in their everyday life 
uh, if the cancel culture mob comes after them. Even having lived in San Diego County, I didn't know we almost lost SeaWorld. I'm assuming you're meaning the big one there in San Diego? Yeah, uh, there are three SeaWorlds and we worked with SeaWorld for about five years. Um, I'm, I'm sure you at least heard of the Blackfish documentary that went viral on Netflix a few uh, years back. And it was really the first time uh, a documentary like this had gone viral. And because of it, their attendance plummeted um, their stock price plummeted and they almost went bankrupt. And, you know, you, you're talking about living in San Diego and, and the government there, your, both your state government and your local government really cracked down on SeaWorld and what they could and could not do uh, due to the PETA protests. So uh, after about five years, we were able to uh, stop the bleeding and really turn around their brand reputation problems. And of course, the biggest problem with cancel culture is, uh, you know, that no matter how much you might be for the thing that they're canceling today, uh, you know, just wait until what they decide they want to cancel tomorrow, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I, I I came up in politics. I'm a political consultant. I run campaigns around the country. And I think it's okay. Uh, and not only is it okay, it's the it's the foundation of our nation to disagree with one another and to have public debate. But the problem is we've reached this point where folks want to destroy those on the other side. And I, I'm a conservative, but I think liberals get a bad rap and that this is strictly liberals going woke and trying to cancel people because I see a lot of people on my side trying to do the same exact thing to liberals. And, um, you know, when it comes to culture, uh, it, it's it's that it's not just that one side wants to silence you. They want to literally destroy you, and they want to make sure you can never speak up again, or that you lose your job, or that your business is shut down, and that you can never provide for your family again. And um, look, there are people in in this country and across the world that definitely deserve to be canceled. People that are just horrible human beings you know, the Harvey Weinsteins of the world or Bill Cosby's of the world. But most of us are just given our political opinion. And um, even if we say something bad, I, I think we deserve some grace and some forgiveness. And that shouldn't tarnish us for our entire lives. And I think that's very wise. I mean, the flip side to it is, I think, and you use the word grace, which more than anything just boils down to treating people the way that you hope when you mess up, they will treat you <laughs> um, a little bit, even, you know, more than the golden rule, maybe, uh, you know, and I think that's the biggest thing that we're seeing now is all of the things that people couldn't just say, Hey, you know, that's not for me. So I'm just not going to do it. They needed to try to destroy it. And it just, it's kind of snowball effect today. Is that, yeah. you think that's a fair estimate? I think that's I think that's exactly right, man. I think we're all just human beings going through a human experience. And as humans, we screw up. That's how we learn. It's it's embedded in our DNA and who we are that um, we we screw up and we learn from our mistakes. And for one or two mistakes, or even three or four or five or ten mistakes, I don't know how many mistakes we we should be allotted. I just believe that uh, the majority of us are just going through our day, trying to make it through. And, um, and, and as we try to go through our days, we screw up and we say the wrong things or we crack a bad joke. And that doesn't necessarily mean we're bad people. So I want to ask you two questions and I'll ask you the second one again, if you need me to remind you, but basically I'd like to look at the concept from a what if you are finding yourself being the victim of somebody, you know, you're being tried to be canceled, basically, and B, uh, what should you do when there's something that you feel that adamantly against, rather than going for their outright cancel? Look, I, I, I'm going to start with the second one, if that's okay with you. Um, I think that we are lacking empathy in our world. And I think that when you disagree with someone, the very first thing you should do is you should try to put yourself in their shoes and ask yourself, why do they think that? I mean, look at uh, today's abortion fight. You're either a baby killer or you hate women. And there's no in-between, right? There's no nuance there. One side says you're a baby killer and the other side says you hate women and you want to enslave them and lock them up uh, handmaid's tale style. And 
I don't believe that's that's accurate. I don't I don't think anybody wants to kill babies and I don't think anybody hates women. I think that there's a lot of nuance in the middle and that it's important for us to to put ourselves in the other person's shoes and try to understand why they would see it that way, especially with something as sensitive as abortion or or guns. I'm a big second amendment person myself, but I understand when you see a classroom full of kids shot why someone would want to ban guns so when you disagree with someone try to put yourself in their shoes and, and understand why um, and i believe the first question was um what would you do going through this um but I, I wrote the book because i had a cancel culture moment in my own life where i cracked some jokes on twitter that people didn't think were very funny and i own a brewery here in town and people were trying to boycott my brewery and i talk about it in the book and how emotional that was and how my life kind of was spiraling out of control. And I just, I thought everybody was out to get me. And um, that's why I wrote the book. And I, I lay out 13 lessons I learned both from my own situation and helping SeaWorld and helping a bunch of US senators and how people can uh, can survive such a scenario. So a person needs to get to the, needs to buy the book under fire if they want to get all 13 of the suggestions, but uh, pick one. What's your favorite today? I won't ask you what's your favorite forever, yeah. uh, but what's I'm your favorite go, today? My favorite is the first chapter when it talks about mental toughness and mental preparedness, because this is in essence, a public relations book. And most people wouldn't put things about taking cold showers and meditation and running stoic, uh, reading stoicism or me, I'm a big endurance athlete, doing Ironman and running marathons. People wouldn't think, why would you talk about running marathons? in a public relations book. But what I have learned through helping hundreds of clients is that the mentally tough people survive and the mentally weak people fail. The people that can't control their emotions, because again, as I said a while ago, this is when, when people are coming after you, it's a very, very emotional, intense situation. And the people that are acting based on their emotions and responding and lashing out, those are the people that get themselves in more trouble. And the other 12 lessons won't save them because they just keep digging and digging and digging and digging. You can't get yourself out of a hole by digging. But the people that are mentally tough, as David Goggins says in his book, the people that have calloused their brains, that can take those really tough situations and react with logic, those are the people that survive. So in the book, I talk about how even before you get into a crisis, you should be trying to improve yourself by becoming more mentally tough because it'll help you not just through the cancel culture moments, but any real tough point in your life, whether you're getting a divorce or your kid's sick or you get cancer, every human goes through a really tough situation in their life. And that kind of mental preparedness can help you through it. Mm, I love that. So, you know, people absolutely need to get to the book uh, Under Fire by Wesley Donahue. Um, but in addition to that, Wesley, what, what what's the next step with you if they want to go even further with you? Do you only work with political people or are there other oh, no, types of people would... you work with? I work with a lot of people. I, I work with individuals that are getting in trouble, but I wrote the book really for even the small business people. So we're working with folks from, uh, I got a restaurant here in Charleston I'm working with up to SeaWorld and and folks running for the U.S. Senate. Uh, I am probably most active on Instagram. So look, looking up there, Wesley Donahue, but obviously go to underfirebook.com and uh, go check it out on Amazon. So if you could pull one just i'm quoting myself here quote from your book uh share with us uh, uh you know and you can paraphrase it if you want to because it's your book um you know a quote from your book to leave us with oh man well i'm picking up the book now because i wasn't prepared for that one um I think you can edit here. You might have to edit out a little bit, a couple. Uh, and like you said, it could totally yeah. be, you know, paraphrase. This is the concept of what I was saying. I just leave us with something encouraging. Yeah. Um, look, I talk, I, I end the book uh, with Shakespeare's quote that all the world's a stage. And even on his deathbed, uh, Augustus, Rome's first emperor asked, have I played my part well? And I talk about how we're all, when we leave our house, we're on the stage of theater and we have to realize that 
uh, in the fact that all the world's a stage, people are going to pick apart your performance. Everything from the way you dress to your political uh, affiliations to what comes out of your mouth. And you're under a, a spotlight. You're being... Uh, you're under scrutiny in a way never before seen. And a lot of that's because of the 24-hour news network and because of the internet. Every single action could be broadcast around the world at a moment's notice. So I think I, I the one lesson you really need to understand is know that you're always being watched, always being listened to when you leave your home. And you just have to be more careful today because the world, because the nation is so divisive, People are looking for reasons to destroy you. And I know that's not encouraging. In fact, it's very discouraging and it's pessimistic and it's sad. But unfortunately, that's just where America is in 2022. I pray it gets better, but unfortunately, I don't see an uh I just don't see an end in sight. That is a good word for each of us. And I do encourage everybody to get the book Under Fire by Wesley Donahue. Wesley, thanks so much for spending some time with us here on the show today. Hey, thank you so much. Oh boy, cancel culture, that's a tough one. And there are a lot of us that have felt like, ooh, and if I do that thing, then I'm really going to be in trouble. Or, you know, it's bad just being who I am. I want you to know, first of all, that who you are is absolutely important, mandatory, and really good in this world. And I hope that you could glean some information from that last author and really begin to see some ways that you can not just survive, but even thrive even during those challenging confrontational type of points where you can live as a thriving entrepreneur be all that you were meant to be serve the world that you were meant to serve and really maximize while it's called today i hope you'll do that here's our next commercial break If you're an author who's on a mission, stand out with your brand out. <laughs> Check this out, guys. Yep, everything's marketing, and marketing is everything. Your existing book can become a best-selling book, or even, hey, like mine, a number one international best-selling book in five days. Listen, if your business isn't known by everybody, it's obscurity, and that's death, right? The same thing is true for your book. If you're not happy with the way your book is performing, you got that far, and then it just fell off the face of the planet, kind of feeling go to yourbestsellertoday.com schedule a talk with steve it's risk-free it's guaranteed it's proven we've done it thousands of times what are you waiting for yes yourbestsellertoday.com this time next week you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve reach the people that you came to serve come on now what are you waiting for grab a pen here we go all you got to do is book a call yourbestsellertoday.com go to yourbestsellertoday.com Book a talk with Steve. It's proven. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen. All you have to do is say yes to your destiny. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today as we talk about people. What kind of person do you want to be? How do you be inspired by people who are in your life or even from the past? And how do you lead people to be what you need to be? Now, the last piece of that, of course, is in our business, the people that we work with and how do we have healthy relationships? How do we work with them in a way that maximizes their potential and is also good for us, good for the growth of our business? How do we really look at people and see their potential, but then also help lead them to that versus just sitting around waiting, hoping that someday they step up? How do we create a culture that people know what we're about and they can step into being a piece of that culture and really helping everyone in our company thrive as we move forward in this amazing thing we call business and we try to affect people's lives. Let's see if this author can help us out with that. Join me in welcoming Rich Resikoff. Hey, Rich, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Nice to be on the show with you, Steve. It is so good to have you here with us. First off, tell us just a little bit about you and how you show up in the world. 
Uh, I'm a uh, fourth generation entrepreneur. Um, I'm a serial entrepreneur over a period of time. Um, primarily, I coach high growth entrepreneurial companies. Uh, I like to say I'm the CEO of the CEO, which means I'm the chief encouragement officer. And I primarily focus on helping companies grow sustainable and healthy businesses and avoid the challenges and mistakes that each stage of growth uh, requires you to get through to get to the next level. And you've written a book called People, Time, and Money. Technically, the full title is People, Time, and Money, Volume 2, Insightful Management Tips for Successful Entrepreneurs. Tell us a little bit about your book. Well, first, let me tell you how it came about, if that's okay. Uh, Absolutely. About years, thank you. About three years ago, I, just start, I decided to write a column called Food for Thought. And I write about 500 words a day. I do three new columns a week. I do a guest one day a week. And on Fridays, I do Best of Food for Thought. So over the course of three years, I've probably written well over 500 posts. And what we've done is with the first volume and this, we gathered what we thought were the best of food for thought, focusing on people, time, and money. Why people, time, and money? It all began when a client I was working with many years ago called me very late at night and he was very depressed. And I said, let's talk about what your issues are. And what had happened is he started a business and hired somebody to run it who he thought was an expert in the subject. They were experts at the subject, but they were not CEOs. He found that he wanted to start a second and then a third. So one business was successful and was supporting the other two. And in terms of his time, he was putting his time where the crisis was, as opposed to managing the company that was making the most money. So we assessed what the issues were and what to do about it. And that's where I really came up with the concept of people, time, and money, which are the fundamental things that an entrepreneur must master. It's all about the right people. It's all about learning how to overcome the fear of financials and maximizing the use of your time in things that will bring you the return on investment and focusing on what are the key responsibilities of a CEO. So you referred to yourself as the chief encouragement officer to a CEO. Um, what would you say is the biggest thing that CEOs struggle with, um, you know, to keep them from being and feeling encouraged? Well, managing people can be very difficult. Managing yourself as you grow can be very difficult. And what gets you to one level of success, Steve, will not get you to the next level. So you have to reinvent yourself along the way. And sometimes the people that get you from one level to the next are not capable of taking you on your path of growth. So one of the first tests of a CEO is they may have to let somebody go who no longer uh, has the right stuff for the company to go and grow. And every day, CEOs are making countless decisions. And my job is to be a sounding board for them, not to tell them what to do, but to hear what they're saying, repeat it back to them and give them the confidence if it's a right decision to move forward. And if it's not, based upon what I've learned over my career as a coach, and an entrepreneur, what might be a better path? Is there 
one thing that you found universally that if CEOs knew sooner would help them be able to do better? I think the first thing is to understand the management of money. Many CEOs don't pay attention to the financial part of their business. And it's a quick path to go out of business or not see opportunities. In the best of all worlds, you have a financial team, whatever level of growth you're at, that gives you real-time financial information that you're reading and gives you trends and allows you to see where you may have shrinking margins, where you may have um, uh, profit centers that are sick puppies or cash cows, and what do you need to do as you grow to maintain uh, cash flow? Cash truly is king. And when CEOs start to expand, quite often they don't realize that whatever they think it's going to cost, multiply it by 2.3, multiply the time it's going to take. And if you don't do that effectively, you can run out of money very quickly. That makes a lot of sense. So, you know, you can hire more people. Uh, you can build the company, hopefully, uh, to make more money. But each of us only has 24 hours in a day. So what is your advice on the time element of things for CEOs so that they maximize their 24 hours of today? Well, first of all, I hope they're not putting 24 hours into their business. I hope that they're integrating their business with their family life or with friends and hobbies and things so that they don't burn out. So the first thing I would say is don't burn out. And I think one of the mistakes that CEOs make is they don't get the consistency is more important than uh, intensity and that you need to give yourself time and space. Another thing is get real clear on what your priorities are. And if you have a list of 15 things to do in a day and you only did the most important priorities, first, second, and third, the rest can wait. So it's putting your time and energy where you're gonna get the greatest return and what are your skills? What are the things that you do best? And that's where you should be focused. I like to say, don't get caught up in the thick of thin stuff. Mm, that's a good phrase. So, um, you know, let's talk a little bit about the kind of people that you work, like to work with. What would be just your perfect world ideal client to get to work with? First of all, they're a lifetime learner. Secondly, they have humility. And Steve, one of the reasons I don't work with startups is because I don't want to tell somebody that they have a bad idea when their dream could be great and I don't get it. But secondly, it takes time to appreciate the value of what a coach can offer. And part of that process is getting humility along the way and sooner or later you will a great ceo that i look for lifetime learner they understand that they can't do it alone that they need people they are great listeners and they build relationships And if somebody wanted to work with you, how would they uh, get in contact with you? Well, I can be reached at rich at coach to the best.com, or they could go on my website, coach to the best.com. And what I like to do, Steve, is set up a conversation. Uh, the two of us have an opportunity to get to know one another, 
see if it looks like I'm a good fit for them or they're a good fit for how I can most help them. And then we could start a relationship. I'm very fortunate that over the years, most of the clients I work with come from referrals and there's no better source than a referral um, to start off with, let's focus about what your needs are and not about me selling myself. So before we go, um, you know, your book is called People, Time, and Money. And, um, you know, not necessarily an exact quote, but give us something that would inspire us from the stuff that you wrote in the book. It can well, be like, paraphrased. I like to say the book is 50 years in the making, three uh, three years in the writing, one day at a time. Uh, because I work with entrepreneurs on a daily basis, I see situations develop and I write about them. I write about lessons learned, I write about financial issues that you should consider. And I write about the importance of understanding how to get the best out of yourself and your people. I love that. And, and I do hope, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. I'm sorry, Steve. Oh, I was, tell me what else you were gonna say. Someone asked me not long ago, uh, what would I have done differently if I had written this book 30 years ago? And my answer is, I couldn't have written it 30 uh, years ago. First of all, because I, I'm a terrible speller, my grammar's not good, and now I can use Grammarly and spell check and instantly use Google to get research for articles that I write. And I work with an editor that before each post goes into the book, they're in Ireland. I send it to them the night before and the next morning the post is up and it's uh, virtually flawless. The other thing I would say is each one of my chapters is no more than five to 600 pages, excuse me, five to 600 words. And it's written in a clear way that gets a message across. So I don't recommend somebody read it from page one to page 250. I say flip through it and look through things that are important to you at a given time. For example, if you're about to go into a negotiation, if you're looking to buy a company, if you're looking to sell your company, if you're looking to start a new venture, uh, there are chapters in the book that cover all of that. I love it. And again, the book is called People, Time, and Money by Rich Resikoff. Rich, thanks so much for spending some time with us here on the show today. It's been my pleasure, and thanks for asking such great questions. It is so important that we understand people, we work well with the people, we maximize the people, that we have this conversation about people, and also about the person that we want to be, so that we really shine in the place that we're meant to shine in. That absolutely, yes, we live as thriving entrepreneurs, but that we also are a light that brings the people around us into the best place that they can be. Um, you know, there's just so many amazing things that we can do for people, but we have to also understand we're not perfect and others aren't perfect too. A lot of times the word grace, especially in church, gets thrown around and not to diminish in any way God's grace for us because of course it's perfect. But grace really is a very simple concept. It really boils down to, I've blown it before. I've made huge mistakes. I have things that I will never be able to fix and never be able to change because they're in the past. But what I can do is I can ask for forgiveness from them and then I can apply this wonderful thing called grace. And grace is being able to take a situation that we're receiving from somebody else. Somebody does, you know, quote unquote, does us wrong um, and be able to apply grace to that situation. 
to remember, hey, we blew it and it's okay for others to blow it too. Now, I'm not talking about abuse. I want to be really clear here. I am not talking about abuse. There are many circumstances you need to just walk away from and not be involved with at all, ever, not at all, let it go, don't be part of it, okay? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in relationships that are good and healthy or are striving for good and healthy that we understand and know how to be able to apply grace to the other person that we want to be in the relationship with and receive the grace from them. Ooh, that's a big one too. Because a lot of times when we're dealing with people, um, we struggle on one or the other of those sides of the coin. Either A, we struggle with um, you know, not being able to be graceful towards a person and give them the grace and the peace and the forgiveness for the times they've missed it. Or we go the opposite total other way and we just give all of ourselves away to that person and we don't, um, you know, hold them accountable for the times they've blown it. We don't apply grace. We just allow ourselves to be abused and we slide into, and I'm not talking about the, you know, the kind of abuse that you really need to get out of, but I'm just talking about the kinds of abuses that are just you not living the best version of you today because you're not applying the grace to yourself that you so generously give to other people. So it's a, you know, there's there's ditches on both sides of the road, but it's such a powerful stream to run in when dealing with people if you can apply grace liberally to them and also receive generously the grace that most of the people who love you and want to be in your life want to give to you because they see you just like I see you and they know that you are uniquely brilliant. You were created for a purpose and the world, ugh, the world needs you. You're here for a purpose. You're here for a reason. You're making a difference even in those times that you don't feel like it. And the people around you, they see it and they feel it. And each of us wants to get better at being the best version of ourselves. How can I be the best me just while it's called today? Yesterday's gone. Tomorrow's going to get here all too soon, but it's not here now. Let's maximize today to its fullest. And in today, let's live as a thriving entrepreneur. Let's learn and live and love and grow to apply grace, to lead the people in our lives, to inspire others and ourselves, to be as nice to us as we are to others, to be the person that we want other people to be to us, to show them an example of grace, humility, dignity, strength, and leadership as we lead people through today, maximizing while it's called today, and all of us together come together as a thriving entrepreneur. I'm so grateful for this time that we got to spend together. I hope that you're happy, safe, warm, and loved. And then until we're together again next time, you have a great week. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next time. who's on a mission stand out with your brand out <laughs> check this out guys yep everything's marketing and marketing is everything your existing book can become a best-selling book or even hey like mine a number one international best-selling book in five days listen if your business isn't known by everybody it's obscurity and that's death right the same thing is true for your book if you're not happy with the way your book is performing you got that far and then it just fell off the face of the planet kind of feeling Go to yourbestsellertoday.com, schedule a talk with Steve,
believe. It's risk-free. It's guaranteed. It's proven. We've done it thousands of times. What are you waiting for? Yes, yourbestsellertoday.com. This time next week, you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve. Reach the people that you came to serve. Come on now. What are you waiting for? Grab a pen. Here we go. All you got to do is book a call, yourbestsellertoday.com. Go to yourbestsellertoday.com. Book a talk with Steve. It's proven. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen. All you have to do is say yes to your destiny. You are-